Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apologize already. I, w- I decided that snowshoeing would be a great idea yesterday. And I don't know if you noticed, but the snow is really deep. And even the snowshoes aren't magically keeping you on top. And when I got home last night, my lungs must have been six times bigger than they were when I left because anything that has ever or could have ever or might have ever been in my lungs is now deciding that it doesn't want to be in there anymore. And so I'm going to probably clear my throat a hundred times today. I know what it's from. (laughs) I'm not sick, except if you think maybe I might be sick for snowshoeing. Uh, I'm only sick from that, uh, from actually using my lungs. So I'm going to try not to do that. We'll see how it goes. I want to read. Uh, I want to read some excerpts from uh, chapter five in First Timothy, one through three. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters, with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. Verse 17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor especially those who work, whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning you, who are sinning you are to reprove before everyone so that others may take warning. I charge you that in the sight of God and Christ Jesus... And the elect angels to keep the instructions without partiality and do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Pray for Willa and what she's dealing with uh, health-wise. Lord, I ask that you comfort her today and we pray for Mike, uh, the Mike Farrell family and uh, uh, for Nikki Swan family. Uh, that, Lord, that you would comfort them today and as they uh, have memorials and showings today, I pray that you would uh, give them peace. Thank you that we're able to bring these to you, that you hear our voice and that you respond. Lord, we thank you that you take the bad in our life And you make good of it, including the times that you have to pull us from the mud and the mire. 
We might have scraped up knees and we might look a little dirty, but you have pulled us from the dark places that we are, have been. Lord, quiet our hearts this morning as we look at your word. May you speak into our lives. May the words that are spoken be powerful because you are a powerful God. May the pieces that we take home be practical and helpful as we continue to grow our faith. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're a child, you can church. <clears throat> and if you're not, well, sorry for your luck. So we made it to chapter 5. We are... We have one more chapter next week, and we will be done with First Timothy. Um, and I don't know about you, but I have enjoyed uh, getting a sense of what Paul is trying to tell Timothy and how to be a better leader and how to grow um, while he is leading others. Uh, if you've ever led people or been re- responsible to lead others or in your family, there you realize very quickly that there is a lot of responsibility. I always, I always laugh when I see a couple who wants to have a child, and then once they have a child, they're like, oh man, right? I, have, I laugh because when my wife and I had children, we were really young, and I always jokingly say, we were so young, we were naive, we didn't even know. We didn't even know enough to know enough, and so... So we were so young, we didn't even understand that we should have been scared with little kids. <laughs> and they probably shouldn't have entrusted, God shouldn't have probably entrusted us with kids, right? It was like, ugh. That's probably true. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Maybe that's why they made me old, Kenny. I would have been eternally young otherwise. I didn't think of that. That's, not <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> I, always jokingly, I always jokingly say to people, Kids, I don't recommend them. Marriage, I don't, re- I don't recommend that either. Right? Because it's always, it's always easy to look back and say, whoa, what the heck? So we're looking at what Paul is telling uh, Timothy. <clears throat> and chapter 5 is all about how we should treat those around us. Those who we have been given responsibility for. Those who are in our fold or in our group, in our neighborhood, those might include our immediate family, our church family, our neighborhood family, and those we do life with in some way, shape, or form. Paul is telling Timothy, this is how you need to treat those you are doing life with. Now, you need to remember as we... Before we look into this, you need to remember this one piece. A lot of chapter 5, or a big chunk of chapter 5, talks about widows. And I want you to think just for a minute about the widows of that day versus the widows of today. Back then, they wouldn't have had uh, Social Security, or a 401k, or a pension. They wouldn't have had those things that would help to protect them as they got older. And if their husband died, they would have had a lot harder way... Uh, a lot harder time getting uh, enough to subside. And we see that in Scripture in other places where they would glean uh, fields. And 
and where the where those women would not have the ability or the opportunities that men would have uh, to be able to make uh, a wage that would cover their food and place to stay. That doesn't mean that no women were able to do that. I'm just saying that there was a difference, a bigger difference in balance um, then than there is now. And so when we think about widows now, we think, well, they're going to still get the check in the mail, and they're still, you know, it may not be a lot, but they're still going to get things that will help them. And there's a lot of public programming uh, that helps them along the way. And you, and and I, I only tell you that for a reason because I think, on the surface, it feels like in this passage that Paul's being a little bit hard on the women. Did you get that sense of like Paul's just being a little bit rough? Um, someone jokingly said to me, "Well, I I, I wondered this myself." Maybe it was because he wasn't married. He didn't have a wife to go home to, so it was easier to write uh, harder things. But the reality is probably this. Paul understood two things. He understood that Timothy was raised by his mom and his grandma. We have a good sense that that's who really influenced Timothy's uh, upbringing. So that would have lent him more to being a whole lot more uh, comfortable or willing to help the ladies in his community. The other half is, you got to remember that during this time, there wasn't big coffers of money to be able to take care of every widow in the city, right? And so Paul needed to set uh, a standard, uh, a plan that would allow them to take care of some of the widows who needed help, those who were a part of the church, if you didn't see that part, right? Those who were, who had been faithful, um, uh, to the church in their ministry, um, those who were, it says over 60, those, and it allowed them, or Timothy, to have a, a structure, uh, a, a structure in which he would use to make decisions about how he was going to uh, treat the, the widows of the time. <clears throat> and so that's helpful for us to think about because it's not what we normally do at Greenfield, it's not what we normally do in this world, right? We expect the uh, the government to come alongside in a lot of different, a lot of ways, uh, and to do some. They have a lot of programming that helps uh, in a lot of different ways, you know, things that they wouldn't have had before. And so, while Paul is telling Timothy all of this, he reminds Timothy that. This is how you lead your people. This is how you treat your people. And, and that's really the first, oops, the first point is how, uh, be careful how you treat others. I want to read you that verse, first verse, verse one and two. It says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters in all purity. Paul is telling Timothy, this is how you treat people who are a part of your group. This is how leadership should look in the church. Church, this is how we should treat each other. This is what it should look like, a hand up. As leaders of the church, we have a responsibility to give a hand up. To anyone we come in contact with, I will tell you that that makes ministry sometimes really hard and messy, just by its very nature, does it not? Um, because giving a hand up means that someone is 
is struggling below us, or someone is, this picture, someone is on a rock, and we need to stop long enough to give them a hand to get over that rock. I used to have, I have a buddy who, when we go out hunting, he's got legs that are like eight inches longer than me, and he's, and he's ridiculous, because he never stops, like, he never stops, and I can never keep up, because I got, I'm short legger, I'm a short legger, I, I don't know what happened, genetically something's wrong, but. I'm a short legger, so everybody's, fa- my wife is faster than I. By her very nature, she just, if she doesn't wait for me, I'm in trouble. <clears throat> but my buddy, we would go turkey hunting, and he would be like 100 yards ahead of me. I would barely keep up. And I always thought, dude, you need to help me out here. You need to slow down. I'll tell my wife, can you just slow down? Just a- I am going slow, she says. <laughs> I think we need to understand in the church setting as leaders that it's not about always being the fastest or the most efficient or the best at, but rather it's bringing them along, right? When God's people were headed to the promised land, they waited for those who were older and the kids. They waited and they went at a pace that everyone could stay the same. Because let's just think about a million people going from, uh, from here to even to Meadville, right? Half the people would be there and half the people wouldn't even be out of Erie County. I mean, you just think, think about that, the, the difference in the pace that, that we have just as uh, we naturally have. And one of the things that I've really had a difficult time learning and understanding in the church setting is that the church moves at a different speed than Dan. Right? The church moves at a different speed than I do. And I have to understand that if I'm trying to force the church to move at my pace, we're going to have problems. It's going to make frustration for me. I need to be patient. Right, Because we want to change things, we want to work on things, we want to make different, a difference. But we all have to realize that we all have to be uh, on the pace that allows us to keep everyone involved. And so let me encourage you as leaders, uh, leaders in your home, it's easy to dust, to dust your kids when they're only two and three, right? Or four years old when you go for a walk. It's easy, but we don't do that. What do we do? We grab their hand, do we not? Why? Because... They, we can't go any, otherwise we're going to be dragging them. We're not going any faster than they're going, or we're going to be dragging them up uh, through the, on the path. And so let me encourage you to be patient with those who are moving. Be patient with those God's working on. Be patient in the workings of the church. See, we, we all remember the golden rule, do we not? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Isn't that a nice rule? That even comes from Scripture. I'm going to grab my Bible real quick here. I want to read you a Scripture that I think even helps even more. I'm going to ask you to open your Scripture to Philippians 2. Open your Bibles to Philippians 2. Because it's about, uh, it's five or six verses. But I want to share with you how you should treat others. Paul reminds us how Jesus 
treated others. How Jesus acted while he was on this earth. Verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider himself... Uh, consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the, the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself to the point of death. That's the mindset that leaders need to have. That we as leaders in this church, leaders of our families, leaders of our marriages, leaders at work. That's the mindset we need to take. A sacrificial servant. The mindset that says, I'm going to do what it takes to make sure I help others up. That's how I'm going to treat other people. I'm going to make sure they understand that their value, that they have value and they're valuable people. I'm going to make sure they understand that as a leader, I don't take that lightly, but rather I take that very seriously. And as a leader, I'm going to be an example like Jesus. And every time I go back to the life of Jesus, I can't find anything where he's not the best example of how leadership should be run. When I read scripture in the gospel, I'm always looking for like, how did Jesus run the show? How did Jesus take his 12 disciples and make it happen? How did they go from place to place? What did he do? How did he teach them by his example? And every time I watch, I, I see that he leads by example. We never find him just sitting around saying, all right, you guys go do it, and I'm, I'll, I'm taking, today's my day off, and you guys just go do your thing. You guys take care of this, and I'm not going to do it today. What we see is a leader who is leading by example, who leads his men, his group, by example. And I can't help but think that that's the way that he wants us to do it. Don't forget, we're going to run into our neighbors. We're going to run into our neighbors. And we have a choice. We can outlove them, outgive them, outserve them. Or we can take. But I believe that God calls us to serve our neighbors. I have fun with my neighbor because he's like, he's always got my drive. He's always like cleaning his driveway. It's always like perfect. <clears throat> and I'm usually behind. 
So about two weeks ago, he had cleaned his whole driveway, and the plow came through and made a nice hedgerow. I don't know what, not a hedgerow, corn row, whatever you want to call it. It was right on the edge, you know. And so I was, had the tractor out, and I was cleaning mine. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get that because he has a little, he has a car that's pretty low to the ground. So I swung the tractor around, and I just wiped that one, just one cut, one line. It took me about 10 seconds. I cleaned it, and I, I just kind of smiled. He wasn't out. He wasn't home. The next morning at 5 o'clock, I'm like, I can hear a noise. What the heck? My dogs are looking out the window, and here's my neighbor. And, and he's decided at 5 in the morning he's going to outdo me and make sure he blows open the driveway, which was pretty much open as it was, but it was a little bit. But he wants to make sure my wife can get out of the driveway on the, in the morning, whether I clean it or not. And it's a fun, it's a fun time <clears throat> we have in the neighborhood Trying to one-up each other by serving, uh, being nice to each other, and just caring and loving our neighborhood. And it's fun to me because it's always, it's always something we smile about, like, ha we're going to get the neighbors. We're gonna, we're gonna take, we take over some Christmas cookies every year, and it's kind of fun to just do those things and just try to, to encourage them in that way. Paul tells Timothy, be careful to care for those from the inside out. Take those in your family first, like the ripple, the ripple uh, effect. That means that those who are closest to us, those who are our families, those who we're responsible for, need to take care of their own before they start taking care of those that are way, way further out. He says, anybody who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own house, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's a pretty big accusation. He says, if you're not taking care of your own first before you're helping others, you're worse than an unbeliever. Our actions speak louder than words. We need to take care of those we come in contact with. Those in our families first. Those of our widows and widowers. Those who we know who need uh, some help. We need to make sure we have our stuff going in the right place. I can't help but think about this in ministry in this way. And we don't measure it very often or very well. But I can't help but think about time and whether we're giving of the time that we have first to our family. I can honestly say I'm glad I was not a pastor when my kids were little. I feel like that would have been a challenging, a very challenging moment in life where the busyness got in the way of family. My wife, she's way more patient and understanding, but I think it would have been a lot harder with my kids to try to be in two places at once. It would have made for harder decisions. But Paul tells Timothy, listen, you need to take care of those you were closest to. That means emotionally as well, right? That means our marriages as well, our kids as well. We need to be involved in the lives of our children and our grandchildren. We need to be in, in enjoying that time. Finding ways to connect. 
The ripple starts small and works its way up. I want to highlight a ministry that this church has had <clears throat> at least, well, it's long. I don't know exactly how long it has been here, but it, uh, it's the third Thursday of the month. It's called Wow's Widows and Widowers, and I think, they, I think they actually made that a little bit bigger, uh, and they take uh, people, uh, singles as well, but they have lunch on the third Thursday of every month. They meet uh, in the locker room. Steve Levan is in charge of it. Uh, there's uh, people who cook. If, if you're interested in uh, being involved by helping by cooking or something else or being involved by just hanging out, it's a great group of people, widows and widowers, those who are single. Those, uh, it's just a group that get together and no, they do not talk about their widows or widowers. That's not really what goes on. Usually there's, uh, um, there's a topic or a devotion that goes with the day. They have lunch together. They enjoy each other's time. They spend time together working, uh, doing life together. And I, I bring that up because it's been here for at least, I think, 12 or 13 years. And it started from a Sunday school class that talked about what is the need of our church? What is the need for those people in that spot of, their, of church? And, and it's been a good group that continue to be involved in that way. I like it because it's, it's everything you would think it wouldn't be. You might think that, well, they're going to go talk about, they're going to have a topic about death or living alone or whatever, but it's not any of that. It's all about getting together and enjoying each other's company. Finally, Paul says, respect, oops, I'm a, one behind, respect the position. Respect the position. He says in verse 17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. If you look at your Connect card, and Darlene took me for a surprise this morning, she said, hey, thank you. And I was like, I don't even know. I said, what did I do this time? <laughs> I have a guilty conscience. She said, no, the Connect card says I'm supposed to thank a leader, and so I did. I want to encourage you to find out and to know who leads this church. I, Brentley and I are the face of the church a lot of times, but there are so many other people who lead different areas. And so I, I got to say, thank you, Darlene, for being a part of the Christian Ed uh, board. You know, there are five boards, and there are <clears throat> a good chunk of people in each of those boards. And they give of their time and energy. And sometimes we have no idea what they do. We have no idea. Do you know there's a couple guys who faithfully swing up here every day and for the last week and a half or two have plowed snow on a daily basis? I jokingly told them I think it's going to be a full-time job if they're not careful because we have had snow every day. And they get up here. And I try to beat them. I try to get on the tractor before they do, but just for fun. But they're faithful about coming up every day that it snows. And they lead by example. There are people who come up and get their rooms ready for Sunday school. There are people who help on Wednesday night. There are people who come up that no one knows that they've been here. Do you know there's a couple that go and work their way all around the church picking weeds when the snow gets off? Do you realize there's two couples, plus a few more now, 
who, who mow the, the cemetery every week. They weed whack the cemetery every week. There are so many of those things that we don't even know about that happen in this church. And I think it's important that we begin to, to pay a little more attention to who's running the show and understand that they deserve respect for taking on the roles. It shouldn't be that every good deed goes uh, punished, right? Or Well, it's the other way around. No good, good deed goes unpunished. It shouldn't be that. It should be that we respect and understand that these people have invested time and energy to make sure things go. There are people, and I, I, I put this up because I want, there are people who fix other people's houses and you don't know anything about. They get, un, they get frozen pipes unfrozen. There are people who call, who notoriously call other people and make sure they're okay. There are people who send cards. That's what the card in the middle is for. They send cards to people to remind them that they are loved and missed. There are people who take groceries places and people who visit. Those are all opportunities for each of us to jump in and help out. See, because it's easy to say, well, the pastor can do that. Or the deacon can do that. But the reality is it runs best. My, one of my favorite things to hear is, hey, and I don't hear it from the leaders of the church. I hear it from the people who, who got the card. Right? I was at someone's house this week, and they said, hey, you know anything about this card? And they go, and they go like, here's the card. You know anything about this card? It says, thinking of you. I said, well, looks to me like you haven't been in church in a while. <laughs> and someone was thinking of you. <laughs> I was just being honest. That's what was going on. And they're like, yeah, but I don't even go to the same service as this person. Yeah, but they found out you ain't been coming. And they love you. And they want to make sure that you understand that they were thinking of you. I said, take it for what it's worth. And when you get back to church... Go find that person and make sure you thank them for giving you a card. We have those opportunities. And those are my favorite, right? Because that's real leadership. Not asking for, my, for, uh, for who I need to give an address to. Not asking for, but, but realizing that there's a need or someone is missing or, or someone's not feeling well. And making sure to make that phone call. Making sure to make that text. Making sure to check in on those who are not in our seats next to us, who are normally there. That's a part of the leadership of this church. And then that doesn't mean that you have to have a leadership role or a nice tag that says deacon, deaconess, trustee, whatever. Each of us are leaders in that way. Calling your friend you haven't seen for a while to encourage them. Having a cup of coffee with someone who just needs to know that things are going to be okay. So many opportunities for us to minister. Paul says, be careful. Don't just pick anybody, right? Don't be hasty in the laying on of hands and don't share in the sins of others. That's how he ends the passage. The part that we looked at. Keep yourself pure. One of the things I learned a long time ago was don't put people in positions of 
of authority until you know who they are. I learned that from the last guy. He was really pretty good. Dave understood that and was able to pass that along to me, and I appreciated that. Be careful who we put in roles and positions of authority until we understand who they are. And he says, if you're a leader of this church, don't share in the sins of others. Be careful of the company you keep. Be careful who you hang out with. Be careful where you spend your time. One bad apple upsets the whole cart, does it not? As leaders, we have a lot of responsibility. That's not all bad. In fact, I think it's really good. It's good for us. It's good for us to lead others and to learn the discipline of leadership. Whether you're a leader now or you'll be a leader later or maybe you're not really interested in being in leadership, it's good to learn that discipline for our lives. It's good to understand how to treat others. Show me a place where treating other people doesn't, the right way doesn't work. Show me a place where treating the people like Jesus treated them isn't good. It's absolutely good. He gave himself a servant to others. If we want people to use us, to see Jesus through us, we have to be willing to be his hands and feet. And that begins in one spot. That begins in the spot of understanding who we are as sinners. Who we are as broken humans. Who we are in our inability to make life right. The reality is this. We need a Savior. We need the grace of God. And treating other people means extending that grace to them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love today. We thank you that you are a good and mighty and loving God. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to read your word and are reminded how we are to treat other people. Lord, as leaders of this church, as leaders in our families, as leaders at work, we are called to treat them like you treat them. We are a reflection of the cross. May we live that way. In your name we pray. Amen.